I'm Meg Murphy. And I'm Leslie Bradford Scott. And we're having a conversation about the podcast we're creating about your father, whose name is Claudio. Right. Claudio. We're not using your dad's real name because we can't. It's not safe. We think it's not safe. And we're not using your real name. We'll just say the jury's out on that. But right. to be on the safe side, no, we are not using my, my real name. My name, Leslie Bradford Scott, is my real identity that I go by. But it's actually not my real name. And no one knows your real name. Nobody knows my real name. I changed it a long time ago. And in this podcast, we're going to be changing the names of everyone that we speak to to keep everyone safe. And the only person whose name we're not changing is mine. Right. How do you feel about that? Am I safe? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so the quick and dirty of this story is that a few months ago, I think it was about three or four months ago now, you sent me, we met through other things. We met through business, random idea sharing, and both business women, entrepreneurs. And then after we'd worked together on something small, you sent me an email saying you had come across your father's memoir. It's um, about 540 pages. And you asked me if I could read it to perhaps help you turn it into a podcast. So tell me how you found the memoir. So my mom comes to visit one day about, I think it was last summer. And she, she always brings a lot of stuff in her little car. She has like a Toyota Corolla and she's just like, for some, it's like Santa's sleigh. It's jam packed. (laughs) Like I was in the basement and I saw these beanie babies and Mm -hmm. I thought you might want them. Of course. Who doesn't? (laughs) Or this like. What were those collector's plates called? The Bradbury Exchange. Oh, right, right. You're going to get a whole truckload <laughs> right. of uh, So I thought they might look nice on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> so she always shows up. So on this particular day, she's unloading the car and she like heaves this giant binder onto my hall table, like clunk. I'm like, what is that? She said, oh, oh, that's your dad's manuscript. He wrote it when he was in prison. Right. I'm like, what? What is going... And she's like, yeah, you didn't know about that? No, I did not know about this. Now, you knew about the prison part, but you didn't know about the manuscripts. Correct. I had no idea he wrote a book in in prison. Right. And she's like, it was in in a box in the basement. And, you know, it was mine because, like, years ago when he left me, he he said, you can have everything that's left in the house. Right. So I guess it's mine, and I'm giving it to you. But you can throw it in the garbage if you want. Now, had she read it? She read the first five pages. And then she said, I can't read this anymore. This is too painful. But she gave it to you. Right. You can throw it away, though. Right. If you want. <laughs> so you did not throw it away, but I you did didn't not. read it right away. No. I was. I stared at it, and I'm like, holy smokes, this thing's huge. And then I opened it, and it was really cool because it, the pages were typewritten, mm-hmm. like in an old school typewriter. A lot of listeners might not know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we had type or computers yeah. and phones, <laughs> we had typewriters. Click, 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 click. And to write 540 pages on a typewriter, and uh, first of all, I don't even know how we would have had access to that, And but this, the dedication of it is pretty intense to have to think that I really need to put this down enough to spend that time. I guess if you're in jail, you have nothing else to do right then. Yeah, you've got nothing else to do. So, how, so why didn't you read it right away? I kind of was not, I felt I wasn't emotionally in a place where I could read it. I was mm-hmm. scared to read it. You know, it's like my dad coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did the only thing that a daughter could do in this situation. 
I stuffed it into my sock and met or my uh, mitten hat drawer. Yes. In the mudroom. Right. And just shoved it in there. Yeah. Just hide it. If you don't look Bottom at it, drawer. it doesn't exist. You don't have to deal with any of those feelings. Just left it there. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Until. So it was, uh, in November, I thought, you know, the weather was closing in, Christmas was coming. I thought, you know, maybe I should drag that. It's oh, depressing do you know month. what it was? I read my Actually, it was like, I need some mitts and hats. Oh. <laughs> with the impetus was. Right. <laughs> so I go and I'm like, oh, you there. Oh, yes. Hello, dead father. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Right. Shall we bring you out then? Yes. And I'm like, okay, the wood stove is going. I have my wine. I'm cozy. Seems like a good idea. And then how long it took you, to, how long did it take you to get through 540 pages? I read it pretty much day and night for a week. Mm-hmm. And I went through this incredible emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And I remember my darling sweet husband. Every night he'd sort of you know, say, okay, well, what did you learn? And when I closed the last page, like I read the last page, I literally broke down. I just, I, I was inconsolable. I just could not control my emotions. And I, I have to say, and you've learned this reading the book, that I am... I'm the daughter who's like a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I'm the flat emotion, you know, I don't show my internal what's going on with me internally. Like mm -hmm. I keep everything shoved down. So for me to like break down was a big deal. I didn't even cry when my dad died mm -hmm. and everybody else was sobbing around me. And I'm like, okay, make yourself cry. Make mm -hmm. yourself cry. Do the thing you're supposed to do. Do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah. You're on. Well, your dad mentions that in his book and he talks about you. And it's really interesting knowing you as a grown woman and then reading about your life from your childhood and having your dad describe you. And he does say that. He says that you're the strong one and that you never show what you're feeling. And then seeing the life that was around you, it's understandable why that happened and why you needed to be like that. And I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, actually, am I an introvert by birth or did I make myself an introvert? Hmm. Yeah. A psychologist would know. Yeah. <laughs> we might have just talked to one. <laughs> Should we talk to one? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, going through this is like therapy in a really weird way. It opens a lot of wounds, I would imagine, and a lot of questions mm -hmm. and answers a lot of questions, but probably asks more than it answers. It definitely opened up more, for sure, more questions. And my curiosity was insatiable. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Because I would take the filter of what I remember when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I had these vivid memories of certain situations and certain people. And it's like, oh, so they're like the filing system in my head had to collapse and completely be refiled mm -hmm. with what he was saying. And then I had to ascertain, like, was he BSing in this? Like, is this true? Mm -hmm. Or does this make sense in the context of what I remember? Mm -hmm. It was a real trip on me. And I don't remember, like, there's very few times in my life when I've been that emotional. Mm -hmm. So what made you think then I need to do something with this story? I think I view it as a form of personal therapy, but I think it's a really great story to tell mm -hmm. and share because so many people out there in the world have had difficult childhoods. And, you know, so many people, despite that, have risen above what they've experienced, all the negativity and turned it into something positive. And I think I've done that. And it's an opportunity, I think, to share that story in a way that inspires and helps other people cope with their past. 
So that's when I got an email from you that said, I found my father's manuscript. He, would you mind reading it? I'm thinking of turning it into a podcast. And I am a storyteller and I've worked in radio for years and I've done documentary film and I love personal stories. And I actually have my own trajectory with my own father's story. So there was a lot of sort of symbiotic pieces moving here. So I thought, well, that's nice. She, this is cool. And I would love to read this story. And you attached a file. And then came the follow-up email, which might be the best PS I've ever received in my life. <laughs> it was an email that came about a day later that just said, PS, while you're reading this, a couple things to keep in mind. I thought my father had been sentenced to 15 years in prison for, in maximum security prison for trafficking cocaine. However, he was actually working as an informant with the DEA and the CIA. He was smuggling arms. There was fencing of jewelry. And by the way, the story about the $50,000 diamond is incorrect. <laughs> and that's all in the follow-up email said. I hadn't even opened the manuscript yet. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I could not wait to dive in. I thought, well, like, I need to clear my schedule and read this. I thought this was going to be a nice little story. You didn't even tell me anything when you sent the manuscript that he'd been in jail. You didn't tell me that that's where he wrote it. It was just, well, this is nice. She found her dad's book. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. How lovely. It'll be a winter read. Yeah. It was fascinating. Fascinating. That's so funny like I just that's my personality right um so it's just like I I I don't know I forget that people need context right <laughs> it's like oh pass the salt and my father was a criminal right yeah <laughs> would no, you like some hard. rules with that <laughs> so I guess we'll give you our loyal listeners some context this is all helping you to sort of understand why we're doing this and this podcast is going to be pretty intense and crazy. And your dad, to, to back it up, your dad has passed away how many years ago now? 2013. 2013. Do you think you could have made this story if he was still alive? No, I don't think so. I, because he hid all of that, mm -hmm. all of that informant stuff. Like I never, none of us, and my family did not know about this. He kept it a secret. So he wouldn't have, I mean, to the day he died. And, and when he died, actually I was there the three weeks that he was dying by his bedside, myself and my stepmom, and he kept hallucinating. And mm -hmm. I thought it was having to do with the drugs, which I'm sure it was. The drugs were obviously causing these hallucinations, but he was talking about the CIA and the FBI and the, and the guns. And he was talking about the, you know, they're, oh, do you see them? They're right there. They're right there in the corner. And then like, dad, there's nobody there. No, they're here. They're here for me. And I don't want to go. And I just thought it was this wild hallucination and it turns out like it was true, but he never divulged those things. So no, I don't think I could have made mm. this. Absolutely not. So that brings us back to creating this podcast and trying to unravel the complicated story of your dad's life. And what I found fascinating and I had to do the math after I had finished the 540 pages, I had to flip back to the beginning where he talks about being born and he was an immigrant to Canada of Italian heritage, grew up in Paris, France, ended up here in Canada and was not happy about that life choice. And I had to do the math at how old he was when he finished this book. And he went to jail in his early 40s. That's about right. 
Mm-hmm. So he had done, he had emigrated. He had worked as a, an uneducated laborer, then went on to own his own furniture business and then electronics store and a car dealership. And then he was a concert promoter. And then he, um, was working in jewelry sales somehow. And we'll get into that. Yes. Jewelry sales. Yeah. Jewelry sales. <laughs> you, you open your, your coat and inside a Rolex. Yeah, yeah. It falls out. Yeah, to exactly. Your yes. And meanwhile, he's raising you kids. He has a wife and a normal looking life from the outside. He's a man in his twenties at this point. He ends up sort of running away to the States when the law starts to come at him, but he claims his innocence through the whole thing. When he gets to the States, he starts another business and he is still working in jewelry sales, ends up with the DIA and the CIA. And there are Nicaraguan arms smugglers involved at this point, all by the time he's like 40 years of age. Yeah, he was busy. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, a great deal of that was before he was 32. Right. Like, a lot of this happened when he was in his 20s now. Like, people get out of college, and they're still living at home until they're 20. Yeah. They still don't know what they're doing at 28. And he did so much of this by the time he was 32. Which is hard, actually, to... We had to get out a big, huge piece on your dining room table of construction paper and newsprint and try to map out your dad's life and where he was when these things happened, how old he was, and where you were. Because you were just a little kid when a lot of this stuff was going on. That's right. And when I was older, they kept so much of it a secret from me. I didn't even know what was happening. Can we talk about that day in the dining room Mm -hmm. for a second? Mm -hmm. So the first day that Meg and I got together to do that, sort of a mind mapping, because the story is so complex. Mm -hmm. And we had to literally cover the dining room table in this craft paper and start making a map. But as we're doing this and we're trying to sort through the facts we're having some conversations about our personal lives. Mm -hmm. And so what I knew when I met Meg was I knew she had made a documentary film about her own father and that she had taken his bicycle and ridden around Ireland. I knew that, but I didn't know until that day that your dad had a really interesting profession. He was a criminal lawyer, (laughs) a coincidence. And I'm thinking that, as you were raised, you were taught to think like a criminal lawyer. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of ideally paired to, yeah. to do this because I'm raised by a criminal. You're raised <laughs> by a criminal lawyer. Exactly. Who better to question what's in the book, right? Exactly. And then there were some other coincidences. Tell us about your dad's journal. I found my dad's journal and I had a similar sort of experience of being overwhelmed and reading this journal that like my dad had passed away. I was going through my parents' place. Both of my parents had died. I had found my dad's journal that he kept in the early seventies. He had ridden his bike around Ireland when he was sort of lost and trying to find himself and figure himself out. And he had gone to Ireland, our ancestral home and ridden his old steel bike around trying to sort of find himself and, you know, think think about your own history and where you come from and you're part of a continuum and Anyway, he'd lost the journal in a fire that my parents' house had burned down in the late 70s, and he thought he'd lost it. But I found it as I was giving away a box of books in this little black corner of something small was sticking out from the inside of a biography on John Diefenbaker, which I'm sad to say I never read. (laughs) (laughs) So I found it, and I sat on the floor, and I just voraciously consumed his journal, and it felt like a message from beyond the grave. It felt like a sign. It felt like he was telling me what I needed to do, and I found his journal at a pretty broken time in my own life. Um, My mom had just died. My dad had died earlier, about eight years earlier. And I had just ended my engagement and moved back into their home. And it was, 
you know, feeling like, is this it? Is this really the rest of my life? Sorry, how old were you then? Uh, it was my 35th birthday when I found it. Okay. Yeah. So did you, how long did you stay on the floor reading it? Like, did you get up and go to the bathroom? No, just sat there, <laughs> read it. Motor through it? Shaking, like shaking. Oh, wow. And, and you know, what's interesting too. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have sisters and I told them about it, but neither of them, and they've been very supportive of me doing all of this and exploring it, but neither of them have asked to read it. Wow. That's so interesting. I know. And some people, it's not that they don't like, I mean, they love my dad and they would be interested and they've been interested in experiencing it through me, but their ability to read it and handle that and where we all pack our stuff in our lives is different. And for me, it's like the more information, the better. And I want to understand everything more, which will make me understand myself more. And for them, it was like, I'm happy to let you read that and tell me what I need to Give know. Give me the cliff notes. Yeah. But yes. I don't know if I can see his handwriting. It might be hard, hard for me, or I don't know if, you know. So do you think that has to do with personality type or do you think that has to do with their relationship with your daughter or da your dad? So it was going to yeah. combine dad and father, <laughs> daughter, daughter, with, my daughter. <laughs> with your father. Like, do you think, so I'm insatiably curious. Yeah, I feel too. like I was born that way. Mm -hmm. I'm a storyteller. I love to write. Do you think that they're just, and you're, you're the same way. Yeah. So do you think it's just a personality thing or a relationship so. thing? I think it's a personality thing. I think so. I think I'm, I'm insatiably curious too. And I, I think more information is more powerful and I have no judgment. Like I'll, however, I will say going back to your dad, when we met after I read it, I was nervous because I wanted to know from you really what you wanted to do with this and what your feelings about your dad were, because I didn't know if I liked your dad. And I thought, I don't know that I'm going to be the right person to do this. If you have him on a pedestal, and want to exonerate him, I'm not sure I'm the right girl because I don't want to hurt your feelings and say, your dad's, have you ever thought your dad might be a narcissist? See, this is the great thing about being raised by a criminal and a drug dealer is that you have really thick skin. <laughs> On the silver lining. <laughs> and because I'm a born optimist yeah. and because I'm a storyteller and a creative thinker, I can stand outside myself and look at it like from a journalist's point of view. Mm -hmm. What would the journalist be thinking? And then, and then I can have my little breakdowns later, mm -hmm. separately. So, and before we talk more about that, I think it's time to take a break. Oh, our sponsor. This is exciting. Wait, aren't you our sponsor? Yes. Well, <laughs> why? Yes, Megan. I am. How did you ever get this sponsorship? <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by my company, Walton Wood Farm. Ta-da! Walton Wood Farm products are personal care products made with clean, sustainable ingredients packaged, as you know, as amazing gifts for yourself or someone you care about. Megan, do you want gifts that you have to dust? No, I don't. No, I don't dust. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't dust. No, no connects. No dusting. No. So you like to get thoughtful gifts that you can actually use. Yes. So when your mom shows up with her Santa sleigh car, I don't want the place. <laughs> the plates. And since it's winter, let's talk about our Winter's a Bitch collection. Available in a hand rescue, sugar scrub, lip balm, bath bombs, and bath salts, and a delightful peppermint buttercream scent. Yes, look at my lips right now. Do they look supple and You kissable? have the Winter's... Uh, yes, well, I'm not going to kiss you, but... <laughs> I am wearing the Winter's a Bitch. I will take your Lip word blush. for it. And have you ever used the hand rescue? I have not yet, but don't hate me. I will use it. Okay, let's just say like it is one of my favorite hand creams that we make. And it why? Is, 
It is so, well, all of our hand creams have the same base formula. So thick, rich shea butter, cocoa butter, Japanese green tea, never greasy. They absorb right away. Great for problem skin, but I love that peppermint buttercream scent. So mm -hmm. it's the same as the lip balm. See, I will use that now and then I will practice kissing on my own hand. But you know what? <laughs> I did take, um, I took some of that actually to my friend who was in the hospital and hospitals are notoriously dry. And I gave her a, a little kit of that with the lip balm, the lip scrub and the hand lotion. And she loved it. And I rubbed her feet with it. Oh, what a good friend you yeah. are. But see, it's great for things like that too, where you're, someone is in the hospital or you're thinking of someone or winter just sucks. So yeah, to be able to get something like that. It can be a bit bitchy. Yes. So thank you, Walton Wood Farm, our God, sponsor. They're so wonderful. <laughs> they are. <laughs> back to you, Meg. Can we can we start now back? Just wind back mm -hmm. to the dining room table because I I feel like that's the seed of everything that we're doing. Yes. Is comes from that dining room table. And yes. let's go back to your story. So the parallels. Well, first of all, we both have dads that wrote journals or manuscripts. Mm -hmm. We found them in the basement. Mine was 32 years later. My dad, my mom found it. How many years for your dads? Yeah, mine was, well, oh God, quick math. 40 years later. 40 years. Wow. That's a long time. So to more than 30 years, years. really, really old. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we both had these manuscripts. Your dad's the criminal lawyer. Mm -hmm. My dad's the criminal. You decide to take this, recondition his bike, take this trip through Ireland with the journal and make a documentary mm -hmm. film about it called Murphy's Murphy's law. law, Murphy's law. And which is a wonderful film, by the way, Thank I just you. watched it and Thank really you. enjoyed it. have many questions later. <laughs> and, um, so we're both taking these journeys and then as we're mapping the whole thing out, we find out something pretty interesting. Yeah. And it happens when I'm asking about your relationship, the, the engagement that you ended. Mm -hmm. I thought you had been living in Toronto because you're also an actor. Mm -hmm. So I just, I automatically assume that I'm guessing you did at one point live I in did, Toronto. I did. And I moved from Toronto to a suburb of Toronto, with, which is very cookie cutter, sort of, you know, just add water. Every house looks the same. And I lived there with my ex-fiance. It's about 40 minute commute into the city. So I thought, okay, well, we have to move our relationship to the next level. I had to give up my cool downtown condo and move into the suburbs. And I hated it. I hated it. I lived there for three years. And we were talking about how much I hated this when you said, what street were you on? Actually, that's right. I did say, by the way, yeah. where did you live in that? And you said, whatever it was, we're not yeah. going to say. Yeah, we said, won't. Cause he still lives there and I don't want anyone to yeah. egg his house. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. What did you do to poor Megan? Exactly. <laughs> but I will give you the address personally. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I said, could you show me on Google maps? And I opened yep. my phone and I'm like, okay, this is bizarre because yeah. my dad literally lived one street away. Yeah. One block, one block away, two yeah. streets and one block. I could, I could have seen his house from my office, my upstairs office window. I could have seen his house. He might've been watching you. So no, he wasn't built that way. Yeah. He wasn't that kind of a criminal. No. He had standards. Come on. So, so we're chatting and I'm like, that is an incredible coincidence because you lived there from the years 2010 to 13. Yep. And he died in 13. So I was kind of there when yeah. you were there. We could yeah. have just been, we could have been at the liquor store standing next to you. Yes. Looking at the wines, right? We shopped at the same grocery stores. We would have, everything was exactly the same. Coffee in the same little coffee shop. Yep. And then I said to you, huh. What, where did your ex get that engagement ring he bought you? Now, this is a cool 
this is weird. He knew nothing about jewelry and he had a friend who was an Italian woman from that area. Her husband worked in politics and uh, he asked her because she always had big bling Do jewelry. Do you know a guy? Yeah. He I said, what do I know? I don't know anything about diamonds. And she goes, oh my God, I know. I know everything. And she, her, you know, her dog was named after, you know, like Louis Vuitton or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he went to this woman's guy. Guy. And this guy, I mean, that is the mystery. Did yeah. he get, did your ex actually buy your engagement ring from my dad mm -hmm. who lived literally a block away and was still selling jewelry. And so we, I think this is a great place to end episode one. Just do a little cliffhanger here and we'll see if we are connected by an engagement ring, which would be totally bizarre given the other similarities in our stories. So I think we should wrap it up and uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Rewriting Dad and sign up by email for the secret vault at rewritingdad.ca where you'll get behind the scenes bonus materials, videos, and inside secrets. Megan, do you know why folks should follow us? Why should folks follow us, Leslie? Because Walter Wood Farm will actually be giving away prize packs on social media. And we'll be inviting listeners to submit their family secrets. And you might be on the show. Well, you're already on the show. <laughs> Everybody has a family secret. Do you have one? You know what? I, I'm now more curious, but I was actually worried when I was reading my dad's journal that I might come across something and uh, illicit or, and there was sort of one page that was ripped out and oh. had a beer stain near the top oh, of it, half okay. ripped out. But I think it was really more or less of a secret and more that my dad was embarrassed that he was drunk and writing a sort of provocative love note to my mom in the journal <laughs> and was then later embarrassed. Like, I wish I had more family secrets. When I read this manuscript of your dad's, I thought, man, my life was so uninteresting in contrast, <laughs> but I want to hear about other people's stories. And if there's something, we will keep you anonymous. Hey, we're changing Claudio's name. We can change yours. We can change it. We Tell don't us. want you to like get exiled from your family. Yeah, no, we'll keep it safe, but yeah. that'll make it easier for you to hang your story somewhere. Give it to us. Yes. So be sure to subscribe to our channels on your favorite podcast app. And we'd really appreciate a review and a share. It would mean a lot to us. Yes, it, it would mean a lot. And the more you review and share, the more people will find out about us and the more great content we can provide. And until next time, stay mysterious AF, my oh, friends. Yeah. Yeah.